I'm Tara Gray, and today in Henrico, I am joined by Kendra Kirkby. She is representing the Virginia Back to School Group. Hi, Kendra. Hi. And actually, I just maybe kind of corrected. I may not completely be just representing the Virginia Back to School Group, but I am. I participate with them, and we have a coalition of parents that are okay. advocacy, advocating for choices parental choices in um, sure. their kids' education. Yeah, yeah. Well, today we're speaking and you're, uh, I yeah. guess, well, yes. speaking. For- <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, you're speaking on behalf of the Virginia Back to School Group. Fair? Um, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm, I think I would, because I don't know how, I'm not really part of their group. I'm more part of the Henrico, there's a, a group of Henrico parents that had originally organized under Virginia Choice, choices for Virginia schools. Okay. And we work and we've been working in conjunction with the Virginia okay. Back to School group that's okay. on the Facebook page. That's run by Kit and Becky and a group for, out of Virginia Beach. And we are a group out of Henrico of parents okay. that are like a coalition is, here. Okay. Thank you. We're for all that. aligned. That yeah. yeah. So we're all aligned in what we want. So we all would like the same thing. We all are advocating for our children to be um, in the best place that children can be in. And that we believe their parents can help drive that decision. Okay. So did you create this group? No, I did not. Okay. No, we were just some parents that were upset, very upset with how things went with Henrico in the spring. We were shocked and surprised at how poorly the um, virtual learning was compared to our, our, you know, sister municipalities. And as we started getting involved, I mean, one of the parents in my group, we have parents from private school that are involved in our group. These are parents who want holistically good things for our children. And from all the science and the data, like we have a data statistician, we have safety experts, we have a number of people from different professions that are that are working together to gather things to help support the school system so they can make good decisions. Okay, so there is no need for me to really ask what was the motivation for the group. Right, that was our motivation, (laughs) yeah. Well, to make sure because they're not making, they weren't being vocal. There wasn't a lot of transparency. Initially, it was that. There were a lot of school board meetings that were happening that were not the way they should be legally. They were being um, um, behind closed doors and private and private session. And they have to be private sessions sometimes when they're talking about personnel issues. It's understandable, but... There are just a lot of questions parents throughout the county had and were concerned with where what's going to happen in the fall and that nothing was happening or being communicated to us. Well, under phase one and phase two, it, it had to be. I mean, so there really was no choice. Um, right. Well, that's it. No, you know, and there's that there's a lot of conjecture around that as well, because there's a state order and an order is mandated and you have to follow what they say. But the recommendations under the phases are again guidance and recommendations and Mm -hmm. the school board has a lot of personal discretion to make a decision on how things look for their specific jurisdiction to look at their jurisdiction to make their decision because virginia is so different if you go from Mm -hmm. alexandria to blacksburg to um virginia beach and richmond no two of those municipalities look alike And they're all a little bit different. And what the governor did and reiterated in his um, speech um, the end of June, when Clark Mercer, their chief of staff, spoke, this is guidance. We're giving you direction. We're not dictating or mandating. 
what you have to do. That's your job. That's why you are on the school board. You're supposed to make that decision for your municipality. Okay, so just to be clear, this group wants parents to choose either fully virtual or fully in the classroom. Is that right? Yeah, the choice we think is the cleanest, fairest, easiest way to do this is um, the hybrids present a lot of challenges um, because people work. Most employers aren't going to say, you know what, it's cool. Just work two days a week. We're good. It will pay you full time. Just work two days a week. Um, now, granted, if we're in phase one or two, there's more restrictions on work and more mm-hmm. restrictions on being right. in the workplace. So that's going to naturally give rise to planning for everybody, right? So, but when we're in phase three, we're, we have a lot of, a lot of, um, employers that are essentially telling their employees, you need to be back in the office if you want a job. And, and that's the expectation. And what do you do with your kids? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know there are some large businesses, um, some insurance companies, um, larger offices that are, have cubicles where they have an elevator and it may take five hours for every employee to get upstairs safely. Exactly. Um, for the most part, though, it seems schools are beginning to make decisions on options for the fall. And it seems that they're giving, leaving it up to the parents that parents can choose. Yeah. And that's which is what great. you guys want. And that's yeah, what we yeah. want. And, um, I think the most recent, you know, thing that's changed or been different in the last couple of days, given how, um, the school board meeting and the public meeting went on Tuesday is that now, Henrico is saying that there's two options for parents. Mm-hmm. It's going to be in-person or virtual. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. That's what we wanted. But the in-person is still going to be decided next week. And that is whether they do a two-day hybrid, mm-hmm. um, two days in school and three not in school. And then, um, or they do a five-day option, which, wow, this is the first time Henrico has even talked about it. And so we wanted to hear, Henrico, please tell us, what does this five-day option look like? Because when you sent the survey out, there's a lot of confused parents that said, well, I read the survey. They gave me three hybrid options. And the options in the hybrids in those were one, two days a week, which is not Monday. It's either Tuesday, Thursday, or Wednesday, Friday. Mm-hmm. And that's not a great um, option for a lot of parents. Then there was the f- half days, five days a week. And then there was the one week, four days in school, and then a week off of school. And then four days in school, and then another week off of school. Frustrating, mm-hmm. right? And so, again, if we have a nation or a country or a locality with expecting workers in those locations to work normal forty-hour week, expected eight thirty to five or nine to five thirty or whatever the office jobs, or even people that are working hourly and wage um, com- work. Um, that are that rely on having a minimum of 40 hours a week of compensation if not overtime sometimes sometimes people rely on that to meet rent um this is not really a functional way to support your society and there are other larger districts with more you know um capacity challenges that are finding creative ways to make it work to have children in their safest and best place which is typically school protecting the teachers, protecting the students, and managing how transportation looks and how working with parents and working with the community on facilitating all of these things. Okay, okay. what, yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, and as to say that, and here we haven't really heard, Henrico, if you give us two days a week, what do I do those three days, those three virtual days? Are they going to be like the, the two 45-minute 
teacher Zooms that you did in the spring because, um, frankly, to have my six-year-old watching the Zoom for 45 minutes twice a week where all the other kids are distracted, we're not learning, we're not trying to learn, we're just socializing because, you know, we haven't socialized. And um, even getting them on is difficult as a parent, even having a babysitter makes it difficult. It's, you know, how would someone, some six-year-old who's home alone because their parent is working on those days know how to log on and get onto your virtual classroom and stay on it? You know, that's well, kind of where a six-year-old is not going to be home. I hope that. not too. Right. But, <laughs> but there's some level, but, but that's, but the thing is that that's what we don't know. There's no plan saying, you know, oh, you used to work. Well, now you can't because you, you got to be home. Your child cannot go to school. So you need to find a childcare option and it's the middle of July and you've got less than two months to find a childcare option because I'm not making my decision in Henrico until later. Now, is it I get a full time and keep them home all the time or do I um, mm -hmm. hope? And then I've got four kids in three different schools. So mm -hmm. in Henrico, all public schools, are all my kids going to be in different days? Are they going to have different schedules? Are they going to have different, you know, my head is about to explode thinking of all the different scenarios that I could end up with, with my children. Yeah. Well, when it's worded like that, it sounds like a childcare issue. Mm-hmm. Well, it is a little bit of a childcare issue, but it isn't completely because parents and workplaces have relied on having their kids in school. Now, if I knew that I had a child with an issue where I had to be home, I could plan for the virtual at home and I could plan for that. And is that easier and better for me just to say, you know, Henrico is probably going to either do partial virtual or all virtual. So now I need to keep my kids at home. So then I have to, I'm a woman and I need to make a decision. Maybe I'm a single parent. Maybe um, I work part-time. Am I able to keep that job? Am I able to keep my income and educate my child? And, or do I have to choose between those two things? Yeah, this is why it's such a personal decision for each and family. That's why, right. And this is why I think it comes down to choice, but it isn't really even choice at some point. Because if you rely on that income, you start, you don't have a reliable, safe, necessarily, you know, regulated outlet to take your child if you're relying on that. You know, Did you complete? Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So I could, yeah. So I just, I can, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's complicated for me, but I, you know, I'm on the side of the, I'm on the side of the spectrum where I feel I am very fortunate to be able to have um, live in childcare that we've had, but she's limited on how many hours a week. And she certainly did not accept this job <laughs> to be a full-time teacher of four boys. She accepted this job as a, you know, seven hour a day job of working with our family on transportation, on meals and things like that, not teaching my kids. And so, you know, I want my childcare to stay, but I can't imagine if I couldn't afford childcare, if I had no spouse at my house to help me and I 100% relied on my um, income and I had no way of working from home. So, mm -hmm. you know, that complicates the situation for different parents. And I try to think about other parents and what choices and what their jobs look like and what, you know, I'm trying to represent that. What's the best thing for kids? Like what is going to be the best thing? And holistically, our group has found from all of the data that we've gathered, all of the science, all of the um, information, one 
if you take out nursing homes, we don't have as much of a problem in Henrico as maybe um, people have expressed concern. And it's just science. I'm looking at science. I'm looking at data. I'm hard, hard facts of deaths and um, occurrence rates. And even if they're going up, are they going up in the nursing homes, in the over 70 population, or are they going up in the children? Are we having more instances of kids hospitalized because of COVID in our county, in our municipality and looking at our jurisdiction? And frankly, our group has found that that is that we don't have an incident or rate that drives the concern um, that returning to the classroom is going to cause an uptick. And if you look at Europe, look at Germany, they do not have these um, events like we're seeing in Florida or Southern California because of COVID in their schools. Not, it's not, there's no level of rate that's of transmission that's anywhere close. And they've had only minimal cases, if any, with um, people in the school system that they've been reporting. All right, with that being said, did you complete the survey that the county sent out? I did. Okay, and did. when so I did their survey, they didn't give you the choice for five days a week. And so, um, I'm an so attorney. One so I think about how, one can kind how of do I make a, this? Yeah, make a good <laughs> guesstimate that that's not an option. <laughs> Let's just take right. that off the table. Yeah, so the five days was not an option on there, but they did have an other category. And that's where did I wrote you write my in? answer. I wrote you in my wrote answer. I said, I would like, I said, none of these options are effective for our family. We would like five days. Of, we'd like the option of five days in school. I fully support and agree that we need a cohesive and um, robust virtual learning environment with the remote option. Because if we don't have that, if we get back to where we were, we're no better. We're going, we're, we're you know, two steps forward, four steps back, you know. We're, so I think that, you know, the governor putting out the requirement as a minimum that they have to have a virtual program is great because we need to have a good solid virtual program that everyone can follow but it needs to be a bit seamless if they can do it it's i know it's it is not a easy challenge to do this but i think that some of the private schools from what they their experience here they had nine to two live teachers teaching their classes just like they would now they also had to monitor their kids were sitting at the computer and you know make sure that they were following it but their kids were actually getting um, you know, teacher education to them in that virtual learning environment. There was none of that in Henrico in the spring. Okay. Knowing so, what you know now, would you, if given the option, you actually just said you, there was no, you had to write it in. So you would send your kids back full time five days a week if you had that option. Hands down, I would do that without, a, without blinking my eye. Okay, so with the new policies that are probably going to be in place with face masks, you can't eat in the cafeteria, there's going to be, you know, you're not going to be able to, you know, move around as much in the, yeah, in the school building. Yeah, I think that's fine. Uh, what about bus transportation? You know, that's going to have to be way so, scaled back. I know, and I think the transportation is a that's, tough thing. And I'm on the West End, and I realize that there's a couple things going on here. On the East End, I know for a fact that most, many of the schools are not at capacity. And therefore, Which schools they, are in the East End? I don't know the ones, I just know in general that they have more capacity. Now, if they don't, then maybe we need to balance out schools and, and figure out which kids want to come back in full time. And if they don't want to come in the classroom, we can figure out kids. But that planning is naturally ha helped 
by parents helping make choice like uh, decisions early enough that the administration can kind of plan. And I know I have a friend who's an administrator at one of the private schools in the middle school, and she's they're actively planning out spacing tape, spacing creating classrooms, spacing out because they're planning for their kids to be in school. And and there's so much science and support behind the fact that there's a benefit to the kids being in school. The risk of them transmission transmitting kid to kid is low. That that benefit, in my opinion, outweighs any of the risks. And I know that some people do not feel the same way, and that's why we have a virtual option. So um, I also think there's a lot of teachers that may be hesitant to speak up about being supportive of being in classroom, but the some that I've talked to are very much in support of five days in the week in the classroom. And I think that they they get a lot of slack or pushback from other teachers or from other people and that that um you know they don't want to necessarily put their necks out there and I get that. I mean even our group is it's tough because you know you get criticism from people making assumptions on your opinions and you know my re my my pure desire is for our children do not have a generational gap of education of being 18 to months to two years behind everybody in different areas because Connecticut's going back full time um, in classroom if they want that option. They've got every other state has got a little more progressive decision making on that level. And I'm highly concerned for the kids that really, the families that would like their kids in school or the ones who want them home, but they just don't have the ability to have mm -hmm. them home in childcare situations where it's, um, they can't afford it. These are unprecedented times. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Surely yeah. some amount of flexibility and a learning curve is, is, has to be accepted. Yes. yes. I mean, yeah. And I think we've, I mean, we've been experiencing that. And I think our point is like not being critical of the school system at all. I'm being a little critical on here because I really want them to hear us and I want them to work with us. But we have been advocating that we want as pay, like we're talking about when we were talking about transportation and I kind of segued a little bit. A lot of parents that I've talked to here would gladly give up our bus if another area needed the bus because they would be willing to drive, take the time to drive their kids to school and pick them up every day so that there could be more transportation with better spacing for the areas where they truly need it. So if you say, I don't have a car, I have one of your answers is I have no way of transporting my kid to school. Then, and I say, I can, I can, I got it. I got the transportation side of it. Then they can plan because they know that these six kids in this one, one neighborhood need a ride and then another 10 in the one down the street. So let's make that one bus, right? And that's how they plan it out during the year anyway. That's how they pick our buses around August anyway, you know, based on how many kids are attending, how many kids are using the transportation. They don't always ask us if we're using it, but they ask for the address and they want to make sure kindergartners aren't walking too far. And, you know, I love my bus driver. She is one of my most favorite pieces of being in Henrico County. But what I really would be happy to do is that if it, meant more for somebody else to get a ride. I can get my kids to school and home from school safely and, and with assistance. And I'm willing to pay for that and make sure that happens. But I think, you know, people who don't have the transportation really do need it. Is that, do you think that's realistic? 
I think that if there's enough parents that are willing to participate, it is realistic because I think there's going to end up being enough. Our bus is never full. I can't imagine that our bus would be, it would have to change a ton if they were still using the bus. But I think if they surveyed the parents for each school, figured out which kids are not going to use the bus, which kids are using the bus now, not on the second day of school, and planned around that, they'd probably find that it'll work itself out. And this is some states like South Carolina on the front end said, okay, here's the decision. We've got to do either all in school or all virtual. And Paris, you need to make the decision by by July 31st. When you make the decision, then we plan all of August and we start in September. And so they're planning um, what schools kids go to and how they're doing based on that, you know, scenario. Yeah. Well, tra- transportation is definitely, I mean, that's going to factor into this back to school plan and how you return in um, yeah. virtual versus, because I mean, there are some schools in the East End, East End part of the County that are maxed out. They're sitting three to a seat. So I think, so I, and I, and I don't know this because I'm not involved, right? But I think that we look at that and like, if we, I'm more than happy you can't do to that make now. phone calls. You can't sit no, 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 no. We, no, no, you cannot. <laughs> I know. I, I understand. They cannot do that, but we can provide more buses to them if we can, or we can stagger their schedules based on that school. So I feel like we, if we start looking at each school, which some of these other jurisdictions are doing, my friend lives in um, Philadelphia and in outside of Philadelphia and, and they have all these little municipalities and in hers, they wanted the decision by parents made by early July so they could plan everything. And they're looking at each school and moving kids around based on, uh, you know, what their transportation needs. And they're, you know, essentially playing like Jenga, you know, fitting in so that they can make everything work. But, you know, the effort is clearly there to make this work. For, the, for them. And so like, I, I, you know, that's what we're kind of saying is like, what are the options we're looking at? How can, when some of the parents are saying, we've said, how can we help you? Like, can we go and advocate? Can we go to our PTA and say to our, our, um, our parents, how many of you would be happy to get a ride with someone in your neighborhood or carpool versus taking the bus? How many of you absolutely rely on the bus? You know, are there, can you find another way to make this work? so that we can give up buses that can go and help more of the kids that parents don't have a car or don't have any transportation. We only have one car in our family. Well, we can, you know, help three days of the week and this other family we're going to can do too. So, you know, finding a way to make it work safely where that you're comfortable with, because we might also find that 70%, only 60% of the kids want to go back to school full time. And if we've got a school where if they have to wear a mask, it's going to be less. Right. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, and I, and I'm fine. Wear a mask. Be per- uh, ma- That's what we're learning right now. Masks are, are working. And I, I don't really want them to have to wear a mask, but. All day long certain, for eight hours. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, when they're sitting that close to someone else, yes. But maybe when they're walking around, like, think about it. We can regulate our hair salons on how they do it. We can regulate our restaurants on how to do it. Why can't we work with our schools? So. In the restaurant, you go to a restaurant, you wear the mask until you get to your table. Then you sit down and you can take it off. When you're moving around, you wear the mask. When you're sitting still, you can take it off. So I don't know if there's, you know, we're learning something every day about the mask, but I'd rather have my kid in school with a mask on, with restrictions, with a new life, because you know what? The mask wearing, that may end up being what we have to do for a while. For everybody. So you would trust your elementary school child to keep a mask on all day long? 
these kids are, I, I, yes, I think, well, I don't know if they need to wear it all day long. I think that they need to have like rules on when you have to always have a mask on and, um, nobody's perfect. Nobody's going to wear a mask all the time, but people, the more we do, the better it is. So it's kind of the thought of, would you rather be, um, have it done or does it need to be done perfect? So I think when we start thinking about how we're doing this, let's do the best we can do and be forgiving and, and, you know, push it, push through how we can manage as well as we can, because that's what everybody's doing right now. You're from a family of teachers. What do they think about? Are they nervous about possibly going back in the well, classroom? Well, I'm from a family of teachers, but I also, from a, our, our te family of teachers are older now. So, um, yeah. they, but I think that they feel that that virtual education is not at the point where it can, it can support children, at least the elementary school children for sure. Um, in learning things, you can't learn how to write and read necessarily through the computer virtually. It's very difficult. Like these kindergartners, first graders, second graders learning these skills. I'm worried about my fourth grader learning reading comprehension because watching stuff on a, on a screen for eight hours a day is tough. Yeah, parents you are know, just going to have to help out a little more in the evenings, maybe with, you know, um, helping read or write well, or whatever maybe. it is. What do you think about well, that? Well, that, I mean, I think I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's I what think, we do regardless if schools, right, you know, exactly. before COVID. Right. That's what you do anyway. But now I don't, I think it's more than that. It's not a little bit of helping. What if my kid didn't have any of it all day because his childcare provider who was at our house didn't make them do the school? I, you know, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's, you know, maybe they, we had a computer issue. Some people don't have internet access. Are we going to rely on that? The fact that some people don't have computers or internet access. I mean, I ended up having to buy two computers so my kids could do some education. And then you look at Henrico and the way that Henrico rolled it out, the number of passwords and things I had to go through and loop mm -hmm. hoops I had to jump through just to get to one website. And then I had the wrong passcode or the wrong email mm -hmm. address. Then I, yeah. then, um, yeah. Well, so then, it sounds know, like to me, you just, yeah, you really, it, really want back to school. Well, <laughs> and, I, I and, and, you know, I mean, I do, but I also like, I don't, I, I would love to see early whether they were, um, able to do it. Well, okay. I'm going to ask you this one last question and then we're going to go. I appreciate your time today. I'm going to throw this out there as a worst case scenario. I spoke with the, um, the county spokesperson for Henrico County Public Schools and I asked him this. And this is yeah, a James. worst case no. scenario. Yeah. I did, yes. Yeah. And I asked this question to him and I'm going to ask this to you since you seem to want to, you know, put your kids back in the classroom and anybody who wants to, you'll help with, you know, try to figure out transportation. What do you say to one child testing positive that is in the school? What? Yeah. What is so? I guess part of it is I say, you know, what does one one child testing positive mean? Does that mean? What do you that mean? They, what does it mean? So I think you have to look at how it, it, are they testing positive and they are have the virus, right? They have the virus, but are they sick? Are they being treated for it? You know, was it? Do they think they got it in the school system? I mean, you're splitting hairs. If they if they test yeah, positive, yeah, that's what in I'm saying. School, yeah, it's it's a tough. It's uh, it's a. What happens at your work? What's the protocol at a job when that happens? 
It's a well, lot. An adult tough. can make the decision to say, I'm go- I'm going to quarantine at home and no one's going to be like, oh no, we want you to come back in the office. That's not going to happen. We hope not. Yeah. So, but I, you know, yeah, but a child could also make that decision. I mean, a parent could make that decision. My child tested positive for COVID, so I'm not sending them back to school. because That's a slippery people. slope. I wouldn't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because no. you think some parents would send their child with COVID knowing it, I didn't knowing say that. to school? I, I understand. I didn't say I'd, that. I'd hope that they don't. Well, right. You hope your coworkers, <laughs> you, well, you hope your coworkers who test positive aren't going to. It's, yeah, this is not going away. This is, this right. is no, di- th- in some ways, this is no different than you're you know, getting the flu and do you right. send your kids sick to school with the flu? I think you have more strict regulations on if you, you know, if you have a positive that the doctor can report it to the CDC. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. one way of regulating it. And then you get a, here's what, here's what you do and here's your protocol of how to manage it. I think more research needs to be done as far as, you know, asking parents about the bus transportation idea. And this is the middle of July. So, I know. you know, it's, it seems they're like still gonna, um, if they do this hybrid, I mean, they're going to do the hybrid anyway. So that's the same problem. Well, you I know. think that's, you're going to find a lot of parents, um, like I said, choosing what is best for the situation. Yeah. And I hope that the parents don't make their first decision based on if they have childcare or not. That's not the goal. Well, I mean, I guess, yeah, it's not the goal whether they have childcare or not, but I think that your kids also don't have education. I mean, it's not as easy as childcare versus not childcare. In the summer, I'm fine with my kids having a lot of downtime, but I think, you know, 20 to 24 months of that is, is going to be challenging. This is, yeah, it's unprecedented. Where they're not no learning. One, there's, yeah. I know it's, especially, well, here's my con- bigger concern. We're Virginia. That what if there's, there's, I feel like we're creating another class of people that are going to be behind in school. It, and I'm not even saying what the class looks like because it could be have a very different demographic based on whatever region you're in. And it's, it's people who will be losing out on educational opportunity, um, generationally. And it's unfortunate. I mean, it's not, it's, I don't want my kids to be behind. I don't want any kids to be behind. Mm-hmm. I like that study has, benefit the same. Yeah. That study has yet to be created. We're not there yet. <laughs> so, but I do understand. Oh, but, but they do, they I mean, but they do have a lot of, a lot of, psychologists weighing in on this and they recently just yesterday had an article on it on how how much of a setback this this is for 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 a whole year of Of um kids being virtually educated if it's not the same quality or there's no regulation on it right so they're just doing whatever right no not testing them especially if if henrico doesn't have to do sols i think they have to do some type of testing to figure out how how far behind are our kids what do we need to do to catch up and I know they're not going to want to do that because it will look bad, you know, most of, most of the time. Well, that's not a fair statement. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. I feel that. No, I mean, I, I feel like my kids are behind. My kids are behind even with me on top of them, making them write book reports and doing things. And they're angry at me because I'm making them do stuff this right. summer. Yeah. But I want them to, right. you know, and I, and it's hard for me. And, you know, I just think like, some people don't even know where to start. I didn't know where to start when I we get this virtual. I'm like, what are they supposed to do all day? I have no mm-hmm. idea. And no one is telling me, here's a list. And I look at Chesterfield. I go to Chesterfield. Oh, look, I found a first grade classroom teacher who spent the time, who wrote out an exact schedule of what I should be doing with my kid. 
It's awesome. So a bunch of us got the schedule and we're sending it around sharing ideas because they're all need the same education. But we really did try to band together and make sure that we had our kids on a learning path, especially the elementary school. The high school and middle school, they had this stuff already embedded in computers. They're already kind of technology savvy because of the school, so which was good. I'm mostly, you know, my biggest concern, I think, is elementary schools. And I think some school systems are even looking at, you know, having the older kids be home or do a semester, you know, four classes each semester or something versus and then having the little kids in school, like the elementary through fifth grade live and giving them that space that they need. Well, thank you so much. Kendra, I appreciate your time today. No problem. We went okay. Way no, over. Okay. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. No, you know it's not your fault. I'm, I I kept asking questions, and I think it's a good discussion to have. But yes, there are differences of opinions. I'm not going to share mine, but every everyone has their no, own opinion and how they are arriving at that that decision. And I just all I, all I meant by my statement is I hope that you know the decision to send your child back to school. Or if you want to say, I want my child in school for a time, which may not even happen, is not based just on the fact of I don't have child care. That, that's all I'm No, I know. I agree. But I don't. Yeah. The child care issue in my mind is that's child care in and of itself alone is based on, you know, you can plan based on when your kid's going to go to school and whether they're going to go to private school, whether they're going to public school of what your day and everything's going to look like. Right now, we don't know what that looks like. And and everybody knows their kid differently. If you have a kid with um, ADHD or anxiety or um, special needs, they may need something different. And they may have dyslexia. They, sitting and being with a person is very different um, to learn than it is for some people. Than it, you know, some people will do well in a virtual environment because they might have or, anxiety about going to school. So, right? Are you going to have daycares having having yeah. to reconfigure their whole because they're going to have children doing virtual learning, but they're going to be dropped off at daycare. Yep, exactly. And are the daycares going to be able to handle it? Are they going to be, you know, and here's another thing. Look at our daycares only from a capacity, adults, kids, transmission, all this. If we look at all of the daycares, that's one of the stats that um, my friend who's the data statistician did. And in, Vir- in Virginia, we had virtually no cases of transmissions happening in child cares that did not close for these essential workers. So I think looking at the right statistics, measuring it the right way, we can't look at spring breakers. We can't look at, you know, 20 year olds going to clubs and parties and you know, having outbreaks. So to look at where our parents and families and our students are focused in our area and how we're re- being regulated in this as a state. And I, I think it won't come down to childcare, but that will be an aspect of it. But I want my kids in school because they learn well from their teachers and we value that. Gotcha. Okay, Kendra, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. No problem.